Well, it's been a quiet day news-wise, except for the pontification of central bankers, and there's been a few of them from the Fed and the ECB, but not massive moves in bond yields to speak of. So not much to add from the key message of the week on both sides of the Atlantic, which is, in a word, hawkish. The Riksbank lifts their rates today, and German CPI is out. Will that change the euro area CPI that we saw last week? Well, the answer is probably. We'll look at that today as well. It's Thursday, the 9th of February. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Yes, news-wise, it's all pretty quiet today, except for the distant sound of central bank speakers, because there's not a lot going on except in equity markets, which have taken a bit of a hit this morning, at least as far as the United States is concerned. The Nasdaq closed down 1.7%. The S&P 500 lost 1%. The Dow is down 0.6%. Alphabet shares down almost 8%, whereas in Europe, shares are generally up with a 0.6% rise in the DAX, 0.3% for the FTSE 100. Uh, That recorded a record uh, high mid-session. The US dollar is pretty flat on the DXY index with the pound up 0.2%. The Aussie dollar is down half percent to 69.2 US cents. Not much movement in the euro. The yen is down 0.3%. Not much movement in bonds either. Ten-year treasury yields down, well, four basis points now. uh, Two for most of the session. Uh, German ten years up two basis points. Gilt yields have hardly moved. Well, moved about a bit, but basically flat on the day. And oil is pushing higher. W UTI and Brent both up 1.7%. Brent is over $85 a barrel now. So some movement in oil and equities, not so much in bonds, but really in terms of news, there's not a lot going on. In fact, to talk about how little is going on, here's Nabs Rayatral. I mean, maybe uh, we should just go for an early breakfast. Let's let's do that instead. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to go for the uh, crushed avocado and yeah. toast. What are you going to well, have? Well, it's up to us. If we don't talk about all the central bank speak, we can do that, and we can have bacon and eggs on top, or um, we can occupy. The next ten minutes talking about central we, bank speak, etc. But well, uh, I guess we, that's what that is what we're supposed <laughs> to talk about, isn't it? And there has absolutely. been a few of them. So. so there certainly has, both from the Fed and the ECB. I'm not sure that we've necessarily learnt uh, anything else um, or anything new, um, but certainly from the ECB side, and, and maybe it's because it's the more uh, it's the governing council members who are considered to be at the hawkish end of the spectrum. So we've had Klaus Knott, we've had uh, Nagel, we've had Schnabel. Um, it's a bit of a mouthful for this time of the morning, but all of them Nabel and you know, are saying that you know fifty points next month is nailed on, which obviously was the message out of the, uh, the yeah. ECB meeting last week. But but more to the point, you know they're you know they're saying that uh, another fifty basis points after that in May, um, you know, is certainly possible, but obviously contingent on there being no signs of underlying inflation coming down between now and then, which we think there's a good chance that there will be. Mm. Um, but certainly there's nothing to dissuade the market from there's 50, and that's probably not the end of the game. No. Um, from the Fed's point of view, um, nothing to really frighten the horses. Um, uh, New York Fed's Williams, who is one of the, the big the heavy hitters, I would say, along with Jay Powell and Lael Brainard, is saying he still thinks five to five and a quarter percent is a reasonable view, which, of course, is the, the median Fed dot from the December FOMC meeting, um, but is stressing, you know, financial conditions effectively. Uh, he thinks they're being tighter, but if they if they do get looser, um, then they'll have to tighten. So there's a big debate now just how much overall financial conditions have eased or, or otherwise in recent months. And um, depending on your choice of, uh, of index, uh, you can cut the story both ways. There's a bit of interest in a, a story from uh, Mohammed El-Aryan, El, 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 El excuse my pronunciation, earlier in the week, claiming that financial conditions were actually easier than when the Fed started tightening. I don't think that's 
something we'd necessarily endorse, but they've certainly eased a lot since the equity rally took off in, in October. And I think that's one of the concerns for the Fed is why there's no let up in mm. the generally hawkish uh, rhetoric. Neil Kashkari says that rates should be above 5%. Wages growth is too hot to support mm. 2% inflation, which we would agree with. So, I mean, there, are, and, there is uh, some talk, though. I wonder whether, you know, the nervousness that we're seeing in equity markets is the, this, you know, thought that perhaps five, it's going to be more than 5%. Maybe they're going to get up to 6% later this year. Well, I haven't seen any Fed officials out sort of endorsing that. And I think that from a market point of view, um, you were discussing this with Rodrigo yesterday, the key thing or the key potential pain point for markets is whether or not the easing that continues to be priced in for late 2023 and early 2024 at some point comes out. I've just been you know, rechecking the numbers. So at the moment, the market's pricing a peak for the Fed funds rate of uh, 5.15, so just above the midpoint of a 5 to 5 and a quarter percent target range. But if I look at January 2024, it's priced at 4.63. So still more than or just over 50 basis points of easing is priced between an assumed Q2 peak and uh, and then the, the turn of the year, effectively. And uh, so the market is not giving up on the view that uh, the economy and inflation, um, you know, will, uh, if you like, almost contradict the Fed's central view, and that the Fed will be in a position to ease. And if you know, if, if doubts about that creep in, and we see that um, effectively the curve reflecting that, that's clearly where the pain point is potentially as far as uh, equities are concerned and um, you know and whether or not the US dollar will will resume its downturn before but too long despite all the talkers today and we had Jerome Powell as well talking again didn't we he was talking at the economics club of Washington as well overnight but despite all of these talkers I mean not a great deal of uh, of bond movement which which indicates you know really they, they weren't saying anything new which, which indicates really we, we should be having that crushed avocado on toast but um, but we have seen a reaction in in uh, in equities I mean down despite you know uh, this, the rally we've been seeing lately, and you, you begin to think, you know, despite not great earnings or expectations, equities were continuing to rally. Now that now they're starting to uh, to ease off, so is, is, could it, could this be some sort of equity correction? I mean, it doesn't seem unreasonable, does it? Given all this talk about uh, you know inflation perhaps coming down slower. No, it's true to some extent, and obviously bond yields sort of have sort of have crept higher. Although uh, you mentioned in your intro, two basis point decline in treasuries, uh, we've just had a very mm. good ten-year note auction, um, which has cleared a couple of basis points below where we were trading before the auction. So I think that probably explains that. But um, we'd have come quite a long way, quite quickly, you know, up until sort of uh, middle of last week. So um, I think yeah. way too soon to say that we're now back in in, in correction mode. And uh, I say. Certainly, in that sense, there's a, a bit of a different uh, view in the equity market, if that is indeed they're freaking out at the prospect of much higher for longer interest rates because uh, the shape of the money market curve continues to uh, to suggest otherwise. Yeah, and yet in the UK, I mean, I mentioned that the FTSE 100 hit an all-time high today. I mean, they, they seem to be boosted there by the hopes that they, you know, perhaps they are going to avoid a recession. So, well, possibly, or it may just be that the pounds come down against the US dollar. So, the, you know, given the, uh, you know, the, the weight of, of overseas earnings um, by FTSE 100 companies, whenever 
uh, the pound goes down effectively. There's a there's a currency mm. translation effect that boosts earnings. So, uh, and it's one of the reasons I suggest that if, if you looked at every developed equity market in 2022, um, the UK was the only one that recorded a positive outcome. Not by much, but uh, it was an outperformer, which I would pin on the exchange rate rather than any other, certainly any other fundamental factor where the economic news right. you know is uh, is continues to be pretty grim. Okay, explains that. Let's look at uh, let's go back to looking at Europe. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I mean, they, there certainly is a more hawkish stance, isn't there? I mean, you, you mentioned Klaus Knott, and he was basically saying he expects wage growth is going to continue well into this year. Uh, they're not going to turn until they see a decisive turn in underlying inflation dynamics. So, you know, they are very hawkish. Tell you who else is uh, being hawkish, the Ricks Bank, although belatedly. So they're going to push up uh, 50 basis points. That's the expectation today from just 2.5%. But they are behind the eight ball a bit, aren't they? Even though inflation there is very high. 12.3% was their annual rate in December. Yeah, no, I mean, the difference between where policy rate is and, and, and where inflation is, if we want to use that as one metric for, for real interest rates, then uh, they certainly seem to be that way. And uh, just looking at the, uh, the surveys, I think all bar one um, economists surveyed is expecting 50 today. So uh, there'll be a hero uh, at one bank if it's only 25 basis points. But uh, that looks like a done deal. So uh, should be a non-event from a market perspective. And we get uh, inflation numbers for Germany. So we were, of course, to get them last week. Uh, so this is the delayed number. In December, the price has actually fell 0.88% month on month, but uh, but up 8.6% uh, year on year. Uh, I think that number is expected to rise today. So by how much? What's the expectation? And how does this impact on the euro area inflation rate that we did get last week that was down to 8.5% year on year in January? But, but, you know, we didn't have this revised German number. So presumably that's going to be impacted by this, isn't it? No, absolutely. I think the German uh, CPI contribution to the eurozone numbers is about 28%. So, um, mm. you know, and, and the um, and Eurostat made some assumption about German inflation. I'm not sure that they actually said what it was, but um, but you're right. So, the you know, the eurozone number fell from, what, 8.9 to 8.6 or 8.5. Um, yeah. But the Which is German the third number... Month in a row. It's the, sort of, it was like the bastion of hope, that's wasn't right. it, that the number is coming down. And so if it goes back up again because... Germany gives us a dud number, uh, then that's going to uh, send the markets uh, running for cover, isn't it? No, I think I think it could because um, what I can see the consensus is for a one percent monthly rise from Germany, which would have their year on the eight pushing up from eight point six in December to eight point nine percent in January. So if that's the case, it would uh, certainly seem that the uh, the final eurozone. Inflation numbers are at serious risk of a of a potentially quite significant upward revision. And uh, yeah, jobless numbers. Uh, there isn't a lot going on, but we do get those weekly jobless numbers. Now there might be a bit more interest after the uh, the non farm payrolls from last week. And in fact, you know, there is some talk, isn't there, uh, that uh, you know from some quarters that maybe those uh, those numbers last week were a bit a bit of an outlier. Maybe you know they they were there were, there were strong seasonal factors. There was a, a strike in the university sector in California, which apparently had ended. So that would have uh, helped push those those numbers up as well. Uh, so maybe they were a bit of an outlier and those numbers could come back down again and, and things start to even out next month. Well, it's certainly possible. And there is certainly a view that, uh, you know, weather played a big part in that and that we had a very cold mm. December, which may have suppressed employment and a very mild 
January, which may have increased it, and the seasonal's not able to, to take track. But if I took December and January together and divided by two, let's still say that uh, the numbers are pretty healthy. But I guess relating to that, and we get the jobless claims numbers today, you know, we've had this sort of almost relentless downtick in jobless claims. Yeah. And, you know, the economists who know more than me about these things have been quick to sort of poo-poo them and say that there's massive, you know, seasonal adjustment issues at this time of year. But, um, you know, the, the, the weekly decline has now been running for, what, seven or eight weeks um and you know ostensibly it it fits with you know taking last month's payroll numbers at face value so uh, so i do think there'll be perhaps a little bit more than usual interest or another decline won't be so readily dismissed the expectation is for a a very small nudge up 190k i think from yes if it goes up it might be the uh, the, i mean you know because that's a trend isn't it if it goes up from one week to the next that's a trend we can take that there'll be a massive positive reaction on that (laughs) quite possibly quite possibly but uh, anyway (laughs) i think the broader point is look we've had two data points they've obviously had a massive market reaction uh, particularly that i think that services ism as much as the payrolls report um, and whether they were outliers and they're going to reverse is is the is the big issue for markets going through february and into march so dare i say it the data dependency of of markets mm. couldn't be more acute i think than it's going to be in the coming weeks and we've got earnings going on of course disney is uh, up their shares are up in after hours trade its revenue for the quarter to 23.5 billion against expectations of a little below 23.4 billion there is a fall in disney plus subscribers but they expect to get them back well you know they know where they live they haven't lost them uh, uber has come out with strong q4 earnings as well fairly bullish forecasts as well the average one million trips uh, per hour through the last quarter and half a million, half a billion dollars profit in Q4, which sounds great if you ignore the fact that their, their annual loss is 9.1 billion. And tomorrow, Pepsi, Unilever, Toyota and Philip Morris. <coughs> Although they're not, uh, we, we're not coffee now because we're vaping, aren't we? So it should be Philip Morris. Uh, and um, they're the big earners to look out for. But uh, there we are. Hey, uh, 12 minutes. We can go and have it. We can still do breakfast. Let's let's, let's go for it. Well, thanks, Phil. Speak to you soon. Well, not too soon, actually, because he's off on holiday for a few weeks down to South Africa. So it'll be a while until we hear from him again. But I am back again tomorrow morning. No holiday for me. I'm back again tomorrow morning for another edition of The Morning Call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. I'll see you then.